0: Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. This is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn and welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership and leaving a profound legacy for our children. And this year, we've added family financial freedom as a major topic. One of the ways you can learn to get financially free is to purchase my new book. It's on Amazon. It's called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. And then when you're ready to invest in real estate, join our turnkey program. You have a regular job or you're... Too busy to be dealing with all the hassles of looking for a property, managing it. Then that's where we can come in. We do it all. We will purchase the property, we renovate it, we manage it, and then you just have to purchase it and make the money. All the properties are between fifty and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they cash flow now. You can go to our website at TrueLegacyWealth.com to get more information and sign up for a free membership to receive ongoing properties. Contact me to get a 45-minute complimentary consultation so we can strategize where you are, where you want to be. You can go to info at IntegrativeMinds.com to email me. You can call me at 424 4433 3, that's 424 4 2 2 4433 3, or just go to truelegacywealth.com and sign up for a 45-minute consultation our show is available on itunes google play stitcher youtube and syndicated on rethinkradio.org oneideaway.com and armed radio okay so this is the second part of our cybersecurity episode. Go back to the first one if you missed it. It's our guest today, again, he's back. He is a digital forensic investigator at Edelson PC, where his practice focuses on a variety of tech-related cases regarding privacy and information security. In addition to working for Edelson PC, Brian also owns and operates a information security company consulting firm which specializes in providing information security and digital forensic services to small to medium-sized company. He graduated cum laude with a degree in information technology management from Illinois Institute of Technology and holds board certification as an expert in cyber investigation and forensic high-tech investigator. So ladies and gentlemen, let's bring back Brian Samro. Hi Brian. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks. I'm sure you can talk about this endlessly, but we're going to have our mind overloaded explode. (laughs) For those of you who missed our first show, please go back. Some of the things we talked about was regarding the dark web, what we need to know about it, what you should be concerned about. We also talked about protecting our children's social security number as well as ours, and also how we can lock our our credit scores and our children. So go back to that last episode. It's really important. Today, we're going to actually get away with a whole bunch of other really fun topics. Okay, so for those that are just tuning in, just tell us what inspired you to do what you're doing now.
1: Like I said, when I was in middle school or high school, um, I saw a presentation from uh, the FBI, um, one of the forensic investigators, digital forensic investigators at the FBI, where he demoed some of the tools that they used and kind of went over some of the things that they do. Um, and I just thought, oh, that's so cool. I was kind of geeking out over it. Um, and then I basically decided that's what I want to do. And I kept pursuing that going forward. I kind of knew that I wanted to do something in technology, but that kind of just you know, reinforced exactly what I wanted to do.
0: Okay. What are some of the best ways for us to keep an eye on our kids and what they're doing
1: online? Well, one of the things is, you know, it seems... Sounds weird coming from somebody who works in IT, but I tend to recommend the less technical solutions whenever possible. If you're able to manage it and just be with your kids when they're using certain websites and keep an eye on them, you know, by hand, that's probably going to be the best option if it's possible. One of the things to keep in mind is, you know, there's various technology tools out there for being able to um, monitor your kids and keep track of what they're doing. You know, maybe track their cell phones, stuff like that. But you always have to kind of be thinking about what would happen if this ever got in somebody else's hands. And there's been a couple instances where um, security researchers have found vulnerabilities in some of these monitoring tools that basically allow any registered user to be able to view anybody else's account. Um, so basically, just it's changing a little ID in one of the cookies, um, and, it, and you're able to basically just view anybody else's account. And luckily, I don't think that there's been too many instances where that's actually been exploited by somebody um, to try to exploit a child or something like that. But... Um, It just shows that it's possible. And as we start getting more into this realm of tech savviness and having more people being aware of what's out there, I think it's more and more likely that we're going to start seeing that being used for malicious purposes where somebody is able to literally track your kid's location through the same app that you're trying to do the same thing with. So just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that you should. If you are going to have to use a technology control out there, Try to make sure it's one of the main ones. Um, you know, there's kind of two main ones that I think of. I'm not going to advocate for them specifically, so I'm not going to say their names. But you know, when you say parental controls, there's two companies that kind of jump out. I'd probably use one of those too.
0: What's the Google search word that you would use?
1: Um, parental controls, um, browser controls, something like that, just to be able to to find one of those too. Like I said, if you're able to, you know, manage staying with them when they're using a website, that's probably going to be best. I
0: Which probably is not going to happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Especially now that they're starting new stuff at school and things like that. Um, But maybe just get in the habit of, you know, take a couple hours a week and sit with them as they're using, you know, whatever they're using online um, and kind of just understand what they're doing with it. If it's something where you don't understand it and the kid does ask them to explain it to you, you know, that's, you know, I think a lot of kids enjoy explaining things (laughs) and teaching.
0: Well, that's the web. So what about like if you want to track their text message what they're putting on social media because that's a huge thing right now and it's gone before you know they can actually delete their text and delete what they have in their social media what do you suggest
1: well one of the things i I suggest is if at all possible just try to get their password for their social media or whatever it is and like i said use it with them i I'm, i'm very reticent to say you know use use a solution to to track that because like i said it just makes it that much more likely that somebody else can do it as well. You know, one of the things to keep in mind with social media is just because you're friends with them on social media, it doesn't mean that you're seeing everything that they're doing. You're much more likely to see what they're doing if you're actually logging in as them. So that's where I would say get their password. And, you know, we talked about password managers in the previous episode. That might be a good way to, to kind of control when and ab- where they're able to access their social media. If they have a 64 character randomized password, it's kind of unlikely that they're ever going to remember that. Um, so just having that so that they can only use it when they have access to the password manager, that helps to be able to control um, some of the access and stuff like that, too, and make sure that you have access as well.
0: Right, right. Now, you mentioned earlier that like, if I'm tracking my children, there's a way someone else can get into that app too. So how do we prevent that? Because I need to track my children.
1: If you have to do it, you have to do it through something that is more mainstream. Um, a lot of times, I will see uh, on forums and stuff like that, I'll see parents asking, "Oh, what's a good free app? Or what can I do um, to do this? You know, thing that nothing else does. You know, and you're looking for this one specific functionality." I would try to avoid that and I realize it may not always be possible but don't don't use free stuff um, always you know always go for more of the commercialized version that is more likely to actually have the security put into it and have people testing it on a regular basis you really want to try to avoid anything that's free or has functionality that uh, the mainstream offerings don't have because they're probably a reason why they don't have that functionality. That's
0: true. What If our children are online, what kind of information should we be concerned or should we teach them about giving out when they're online?
1: Anything that personally identifies them. You kind of think about email, phone number, address, stuff like that that's kind of obvious. There's some of the stuff that's not quite as obvious too. So a username, if they use the same username across all platforms, that can personally identify them as well. So you know, maybe you need to be a little bit more careful about using a different username on each platform, or something like that. And also, if if they're browsing on something, you probably want to be changing their cookies fairly quite fairly often. Um, and so that's you know going into the browser settings and clearing the cookies. Um, if you're on a phone, um, I would tend to opt more for the web version of something more than a mobile app, um, because when you're installing something on your phone, it has more ability to read certain things on your phone that a web browser wouldn't be, allow it to do. Um, so, for instance, within mobile apps, one of the main ways that data brokers and these larger companies that have a lot of information about people out there, the number one way that they tend to track people is via what's called an advertising idea. Now, a couple of years ago, both Google and Apple kind of got together and said, you know what? You know, people have been using, like, the phone's serial number and stuff like that that you can't really change over these years, and we want to make sure that they don't do that. And so they went out and they actually put a new, unique identifier for you out there called an advertising ID, which if you look it in your settings, you can reset that advertising ID. Technically, they're, per their developer terms of service, developers aren't supposed to be using that along with a serial number or something like that. Sometimes they do. If you're resetting the IDs as often as you can, that helps to make sure that... Somebody isn't building up a huge profile in your children. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is if they're signing up for an account, have them be honest about their age. Um, don't have to put in their specific birthday, for instance, but it should be about the same age as what they actually are because there are certain protections in place for children um, in the US under the age of 13 and some European countries under the age of 16. You know, in the US, that's uh, COPA, FERPA, stuff like that, but it basically allows. Um, Or If if websites are asking for that, um, they should have a way of being able to make sure that they're not using targeted advertising or tracking your children in any way um, if they're under the age of 13.
0: Okay, so my thought on that is what kind of app are kids under 13 using that would have information that is really... You know, like my when my kids were under 13, they were like on drawing apps. Uh,
1: honestly, a lot of those apps, if, if you're not honest about your age, and sometimes even if you are, um, just because the law is there doesn't mean that everybody follows it. Um, but a lot of these apps, just because they can, are collecting these identifiers. And in some cases, it, it's just for their internal use um, and being able to... Um, say, okay, well, this is the person who logged in, here's their settings, and, and that's okay. You know. And I think even under COPA, you know, I'm not an attorney, but under COPA, it does um, make some provisions for that type of use. But when they start sharing it out with, like, let's say, Facebook, which you're not supposed to even have in a Facebook account when you're under 13, um, you know, and some of these other data brokers, these large companies start to compile uh, this profile about you when you're under the age of 13, that's really what you want to try to stop. Um, and if you're not being honest about your age, it's going to happen anyways. So.
0: So then, how do we know which apps or website or I don't know whatever are collecting from our kids like information?
1: Honestly, the easiest way is to um, take a look at the privacy and just glance through it. And obviously, yes, I realize that you know privacy policies are tend to be a little bit complicated. Um, but I think I mentioned this in the, in the previous episode as well. Once you read through two or three of them, you know, I'm, I'm reading privacy policies in and out all day um, over at Edelson for my job. Um, once you've read two or three of them, they all kind of start to look the same and you can kind of see what's changed fairly easily. The two areas that I always look for is when information is being collected and who are they sending it to. Um, and those are usually these days pretty well marked. Um, if you're using one that's not quite a mainstream app, It might not be as likely to be marked, but especially with Google and Facebook or, you know, any of the well-known children's apps, it should be fairly easy to determine what they're collecting and who they're sending it to.
0: I mean, I would think they're collecting these information so that they can upsell things to our children. What are some dark things that they could be doing with the information?
1: One of the interesting things is... um, for a while now, one of the things that we've been saying at Edelson is, "Hey, when, when you're amassing these huge profiles about people online um, using unique identifiers, eventually we're going to get to the point where um, just having that unique identifier, um, you can identify somebody um, by name, have their preferences, and all that. It's actually interesting because we're actually starting to see that come true now. You know, before it was kind of just a, hey, you know, this this is something that could happen. Now it's something that actually is happening." Um, and we're actually seeing instances where not even just you know these unique identifiers, but browsing cookies even. There's things that people can put on their website that allow them to basically get somebody's you know name, email, sometimes even mailing address, um, just by the browsing cookies that they have as they're using the web, um, because it's correlating all this data together. So if somebody was to get a hold of that you know, they could have your location. That's not a good thing. They, a lot of times they can even identify your preferences. So, um, religion, um, one of the things that's, that's big these days is, um, sexual orientation. It, basically anything about you that you might think is personal, uh, listening habits. There, there was a case, um, a couple of years ago before I started working for Edelson, but it was one of Edelson's cases where, um, there was a uh, headphone company that was starting to collect information about people and their listening habits um, and they didn't disclose it in their privacy policy. <laughs> you know, that that's one of the big things is you have to hope that they're being honest. Um, I think that it's getting to the point now where there's enough companies out there um, like Edelson um, and uh, FTC that, that companies are starting to be honest about this, what they're putting in the privacy policy and they're trying to be careful about it. Um, on occasion you can get some companies, but for the most part, what you see in the privacy policy is probably what they're actually going to be sending, and so being able to look for that and, and say, here's here's what we need um, to be careful of, and mainly making sure that it's only being used internally and that they're not sending it out to somebody. Um, and it's the same with even the stuff at their school too. A lot of schools these days will provide you a list of of what you know is being used within the school in terms of software, um, but if they don't do that, I would go out and ask them because they should have a list of that somewhere. Um, even if it's not something that they're um, proactively sending out.
0: Now, you mentioned cookies earlier. Do browser cookie really matter when we're visiting website? And if yes, how often should we be
1: clearing the cookies? From- even just with uh, browser cookies, um, there are technologies out there to allow people to track you by name, email, mailing address. Uh, it, right now, the technology that I've seen claims to have about a 50% um, accuracy. So. You know, it's still in its infancy, but still 50% is.
0: That's still pretty. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Um, 50% so, is they can find out where I am. That's-
1: yeah. So I think a good part of the chunk that they can't figure out is probably due to people clearing their cookies on a fairly regular basis. So um, one of the cool things you can do with your browser and it makes the browsing the web a little bit harder because you get logged out of stuff all the time too, but you can actually set your browser so that every time you close it, it clears out your cookies.
0: But then it clear. Then you have to re log in every website.
1: Yeah, that's where having a password manager comes in handy. Because then, if you have the web extension installed, you can just click log in because it automatically fills your uh, username and password. That that's the downside of clearing cookies. Is um, cookies are also used for legitimate purposes too. So um, they're basically what allows a website to keep you logged in um, as you're using the website. So every time you click on something on a website, technically. every request going back to the server, it doesn't know who you are again. Um, and so cookies send that information back to the server saying, hey, you already checked us out. This is who I am. Here's you know my authentication. You know This is how you know who I, I am, who I say I am. Um, and so cookies have that legitimate purpose. Um, they even have the purpose sometimes of saving your preferences. So like, let's say um, I have a website and I don't want to save your preferences on my servers for you know, privacy or security reasons. I can save it in a cookie, um instead and have that being sent back so that's getting more and more rare but i mean those are some legitimate reuses for cookies um, that do get cleared out when you clear out your cookies but it's still a good idea you know if you're not going to do it every time you close your browser maybe every week every month you know whatever you feel is comfortable for you but the more that you do it the less people are going to be able to track you through your cookies um, and unique identifiers
0: so the cookies are what remembers your password and where you that you've been there then yep. what's the catch?
1: Cache um, is basically saved files. So as you're browsing a website, like all the images and stuff that's on the website have to download to your computer. Um, and that takes up time. So what your computer does a lot of times is it will save a copy of that locally. So it can say, oh, I already know what this is. I can just pull that up from my cache instead of having to pull it down again. Now, eventually it does get to the point where that's so full that it takes longer for it to search that than it does to pull it down again. So clearing your cache on a regular basis is not a bad idea. It doesn't necessarily help a ton from a privacy perspective, but just from a general maintenance perspective of computer clearing your cache and cookies is...
0: Okay. Privacy-wise, this doesn't really...
1: Yeah, privacy wise, the cookies are the big thing. Yeah, I suppose there's a little bit of advantage to doing it with the cache, but there's really not a huge ton. The cache is more a performance thing.
0: Okay, because I'm always worried, like I'm downloading something and it's saving in my computer. What am I downloading?
1: And that's the interesting thing too. You know, when I'm when I'm doing forensics, um, I'm not doing as much on point forensics as I used to when I was in college. Now, but um, when I was in college and I was doing all these exercises it's interesting how much you can tell about what websites a person's been visiting just by their cache um, because it saves all these images. So a lot of times you can find the logos for the websites and stuff like that. So sometimes people think, Oh, I cleared my history. They don't know where I went. Oh, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> so You have to
0: clear your cache too and your history.
1: So, yeah, if it's something where you're worried about something, somebody locally going in and figuring out, um, you know, having access to your computer to figure it out. Yeah. Clear your cache too. But in terms of remote, like, somebody on the web tracking you, um, the cookies are the big thing.
0: Okay. Now you've given us a lot of information. I want to just round up and give us some key steps or something, a few things that's really important that we, you know, need to really know about protecting privacy for ourselves and our kids.
1: The number one thing, and I I keep mentioning it, but I'm going to mention it again because people just don't do it. Read the privacy (laughs) policy. One of the big things that we do. Yep one of the big things that we do at edelson is we try to make it so that um companies are being honest with people about what they're collecting and who they're sending it to um our big thing is transparency so you can make an informed decision right and that's ideally what privacy policy should do sometimes they have a summary i don't always trust that the summary is 100 accurate i always go look and look at the legalese because if you find those sections of what are we collecting who are we sending it to is generally pretty straightforward um Sometimes you have to click around a little bit before you find it, but once you find it, um, you know, those those are the two main things you want to be looking for. Um, And then, yeah, like I said, clear cookies on a regular basis. Uh, So if you're using um, Chrome, you know, it's control shift delete is the shortcut to get to your uh, clearing your cache cookies. Is that the Uh, same on
0: a a Mac as well as a PC?
1: I'm not sure about on Safari, Um, but in terms of Chrome on a Mac, yes, it is the same. Um, I believe it's the same on Firefox and possibly Edge. I haven't used Edge enough to be able to say for sure.
0: Password so, yeah. Manager.
1: Yep, use a password manager. Um, so ideally even use unique usernames on platforms, especially for children um on video game platforms and stuff like that. Yeah, it's harder for their friends to connect with them, but you know what? It makes it also a little bit harder for somebody to build a profile on them based off of their public video game profile or social media profile or something like that if they're using a unique username. The other thing is there's some browser extensions that you can install um, specifically on Chrome, but um, most of them, I believe, also work on Firefox, Edge, um, and some of them work on Safari. I don't know that all of them do. Um, But Privacy Badger is one from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Another one is HTTPS Everywhere. Um, So in the previous episode, we were kind of talking about how you always want to make sure that you have that S at the end of HTTPS, um, making sure you have SSL and TLS. So that browser extension, HTTPS Everywhere, basically makes sure that when you go to the website, it first tries to go to HTTPS, um, and it gives you a warning if it it doesn't work on HTTPS. So you can make that decision, do I want to go somewhere else or do I want to take this chance, you know, and if you're not submitting information to it. Just be careful about it, but it's probably okay to override it for that. Um, but you definitely don't want to be submitting information over something that you got that warning on. uBlock Origin is an ad blocker, um, so that's one that can help both from a privacy perspective and from a content perspective. So, you know, a lot of times you may not want your kids seeing some of the ads that are out there <laughs> on some of these websites, especially the video game websites. Um, so uBlock Origin can help block a lot of those. It, it's you know not 100% a- accurate. Nothing ever is blocking 100% of ads. But it will cut down significantly on the number of ads that you see.
0: Can that be put across multiple computers?
1: Yep. Yep. Um, all of these are free. Um, so of those three that I've mentioned so far, yeah, they're all free. And yeah, they're all open source. So um, generally when I say open source, it means that not only are they free, um, but the source code is open so that anybody can review it. And that generally means that there are multiple people working on it and you don't have to trust that some company is being honest with you um, because there's multiple people that would say something if they saw something.
0: And so Um, that's just helping reduce all the ads that are coming in.
1: Yep. Um, Privacy Badger will as well. On occasion, Privacy Badger will, will break some stuff with websites, but you can just click on it and click disable for this website. So if you have a website that's like, Wait, this isn't loading right? Just try that and it will probably fix it. Um, But Privacy Badger basically is a really good way of blocking a lot of the tracking stuff. So what it'll do is if it sees something that could be tracking you on more than three websites, I think it is, it'll add it to the list of things that it's blocking, um, which is really good for stopping some of the uh, data aggregation and stuff like that. And then also if, if you're... On a mobile phone, if possible, try to use a web browser over the mobile app. Um, like I said, if you're using a mobile app, it gives it a, access to a lot more information than if you're doing something over a web browser in general. And then if you are going to use mobile apps, uh, reset your advertising ID fairly regularly. What does um, that mean? Uh, so um, like I was mentioning, you know, we have all these unique persistent identifiers out there. Um, Google and Apple basically made a, a pact, so to speak, of making an advertising ID that can be reset because the problem with mobile before was you're using a serial number, you're using something that can't be reset. Now you actually can if you go through um, the settings. Um, you know what? I'll find a link that, that says how to do it. I know how to do it on Android, but I don't know off the top of my head on iPhone. But I'll, I'll find a link that shows how to reset it, um, and we can put those in the show notes as well.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Wow, that's a lot of information. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and you do this for a living. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Well, if, I need, if something happens, I'm going to call you. <laughs> I got hacked or something. Well, thank you, Brian, so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on, this, taking your time out and, and showing us how to protect ourselves and, and our family.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you.
0: Okay. So uh, you can go to Brian's webpage. It's Brian Semro, B-R-I-A-N-S-E-M, R-A-U dot com. And we're going to have all these links in the show notes for you. So just go there. You can go to YouTube. You can go to iTunes and we'll have it all in there. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And Brian, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Okay. Until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.